here, you know, you don't ever want to speak in an absence for pastor, but you know, I don't mind to do so, and just uh, pray that God would give me exactly what I've, I've got here to be able to put it together and make some sense of it. Um, but you know, we this morning had a great crowd here. It was really encouraging to see so many people here to hear God's Word. But also, you know, to know that its power didn't stop whenever we said the last amen, it didn't quit. You know, um, I've said this before, but we've all probably got old recordings at home. And, you know, you can sit and listen to some of those sermons that might be, you know, ages old, even reading a sermon, you know, different things that can convict. So we pray for that. We pray that God's Word would be something that just, just continues to find its mark in hearts. But you know, this morning, Brother John was preaching on two words. He mentioned red letters, but you know, uh, whenever he asked me about, you know, to do the to the, do the lesson, I started thinking about just how powerful just a few words are, and um, I was thinking of something just along the lines of two words as well. And those two words are just for sure. Um, I know that we we have a limited amount of channels up in our holler where I live because we don't have a satellite. We choose not to, and. Um, Somebody kind of gave us some grief the other day because, see, when the leaves fall, we get different channels. And you all think I'm kidding. It's true. It's very true. When the leaves change, the leaves are gone. There are certain channels that fall with them. And then come springtime, you're just so eager not just to see green grass, but you can't wait for certain channels to come back. Well, uh, you know, we've got we've got one channel up there that uh, I don't want to say old person channel because might offend but there's one channel up at our house that we watch regularly that was not designed for people my age or my boy's age because the commercials tell on it um every other commercials for either aarp or medicare part a b and c every commercial break or if you've been at camp lejeune and have cancer those things come across it every commercial break you can bank on it and I told Steph the other night, I said, for those of you on Medicare, I don't know how you keep anything straight. Those commercials confuse me because there's a, a part A and a part B and a part C. And you got to call this number to make sure that you get all the benefits. And you can even get, you know, medica- medications you can get in other parts and uh, free home delivery. And I'm like, my goodness, they just need to make it universal where everybody gets all, you know, all the above and... Cut out all the commercial, you know, we don't have to have all these commercials, but there are so many things that are supposed to be sure that aren't sure. And I mean, you can watch and, and think how many this week, how many insurance companies will either try to solicit you somehow through mail or your eyes on TV or internet ads and, you know, Liberty Mutual and, and you know, State Farm. And, and we're always inundated with, with what is the best thing for sure. And uh, the other day, we had some kids, and they have a culinary class at the high school, and they'll come around, and they'll try to sell certain seasonal treats. And they were selling something called a blooming apple. And I said, what is a blooming apple? And he looked up on his phone, and I, I mean, it looked real good. He said, you just need to read the fine print on the paper. I'm like, you got fine print on a blooming apple? And what it was is he was trying to get more sales than the next person. It was a fine print. So... You know, everything that seemingly today is just not 100% clear or sure. And, and to an ordinary individual, which most of us are, that's, that can get a little cumbersome and irritating. We've all heard the statement, you know, everything, you know, two things are sure, death and taxes. Well, I got news for you. 
A is correct. Death. Okay, death is for sure. You know, that is one of those things that for sure, unless we are here when the Lord returns, we will cease to exist physically. This body will be laid down and we will cease to exist physically. That is for sure. There's no way around it. There's no way to preserve it, to, to uh, avoid it. It will happen. And you know, whenever you think of all these other uncertainties, for sure, the Scriptures tell us in Numbers that our sins will find us out. Um, every now and then you will have uh, kids at school, and my goodness gracious, for all, all the people who work in schools, every one of you have heard the statement, you should write a book about that. Think of the weird things you get to experience at school, and so many times a child's sins will find them out at school. You know, the, the infamous uh, at my school, the Chromebook's not charged. And they'll say, I charged it all night, and it just won't charge. And I've got a cord for those kids, and it's, I don't even have to move. I said, plug it in right there, because if it turns red, you didn't charge it. There are lots of kids who don't want to plug it in because they know it's going to happen. I'm not giving them any. Here's the point. Their sins find them out. Or, won't turn on. Really open it up. Well, won't turn on because the little thing comes across the screen that shows a dead battery and it turns off. That, that sells it. Your sins find you out. And listen, those things are for sure. But we could sit and beat all the negative things that are for sure to the point to where I think that's what the world wants us to see. The world wants us to find negative negativity. Also, leaving what we have in possessions on earth are going to be left behind. Uh, the other day I was, I was looking for uh, some things and, and I happened to find this bag of drill bits that I had bought at an estate sale. You know, it's amazing whenever, whenever people die, how many people want to go get what they had and use it. And that's what I thought about the other day. I was getting that drill bit out of there and I'm like, Man, this guy knew how to sharpen drill bits. You know, you look at all this and, you know, just the things that we have. And then they become somebody else's. Those things are for sure. It's, it's going to happen. But, you know, in God's Word, whenever we become a true believer in God, when we turn our life over to God through faith in Christ, the for sures don't have negative connotation to them any longer. Now, you can choose to have negative consequences through God. Yes, you can. You can, you can deny Let's say you, you, you stop reading the way you should, stop praying the way you should, stop attending church the way you should. Yes, you will, even as a child of God, receive some pretty negative, uh, I guess you'd say, consequences in your life, and it is a fact. But the things that are for sure through God should comfort us so much. And that's the thing that I think that so many people have, we've got to get back to what is really important to us as God's people. But we're going to pray that God will just use these few passes scripture as something that would open our minds to, you know, the things that are for sure in God. Because again, all the things that are for sure in man aren't sure at all. They, they are so fleeting. The things that we feel are guaranteed here on earth through the hands of man, they're so fleeting. And it's a sad thing, but you know what? Again, I think for us to mature as God's people, we have to recognize the futility of chasing earthly things, but the importance of chasing the things of God. But let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for the day. Thank you for watching over us and do pray for uh, the service tonight. God, I pray that you just help me open your word in a way to be clear and understandable for every person here. God, help us all to realize the importance of realizing what is for sure in this life and, Lord, what is for sure in eternity. 
God, just uh, pray for our pastor, Lord, that you would give him health and strength, and God, you would give him all that he needs, and get him back here with us, and just uh, thank you again for your word that you left for the God. Pray just watch over us and forgive my sins, ask in Jesus' name, amen. If you would turn to John chapter 6, go to John 6. In John 6.35, I want you to realize that, you know, Jesus spoke to a lot of people trying to, I guess you'd speak, speaking in figurative language in a way that it went above the heads of the people who would openly deny him, but people around him, some people understood. Verse number 35 says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life, he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that you also have seen me and believe not. Now this right here is an important thing that we need to realize. For sure, Christ will accept us. For sure, when we turn to Him as Lord and Savior, there is not a grace period to, to try out. On the spot, for sure, God will save you through faith in Christ. And look what it says in verse number 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. You know, that is an awesome promise. That for sure, upon faith and repentance, we come to Christ and we're saved. That is an awesome for sure. Um, you know, again, I know that uh, a lot of times uh, I never really understood them really well. But, you know, things like these savings bonds that you purchase. And you've got to wait so long to a, to a given date to even get the return on those and, and I've never had one that was worth anything, but can you imagine the anticipation and anxiety that would have to build in a person knowing that some big savings bond was about to mature and, and you're about to receive this great, great blessing or whatever it was. We don't have a grace period with God per se. We have a life of grace with God. And that's a great thing to understand that when we come to Him, it's not a waiting thing. He's never going to cast us out. He accepts us as we are through faith. And it says, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that all which has sent me, he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have eternal everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. That is a great for sure. For sure we are we are saved and we're kept. And, you know, He accepts us. And, you know, again, you, you get all the solicitation in the mail for man to accept. You know, maybe it's a credit application or this or that. It has to be filled out. goes through this big process, makes it through one hoop, another and another and another. Thank the Lord it's not that way with God. Because, you know what, I believe that, that God sees us. He knows our faults and failures. But when we come to Him with true faith in Christ, we're saved. And I believe that that is one of those four sures that should keep should keep people hopeful for the lost. You know, for people who are lost, as long as this word is presented as it was this morning, as long as people are hearing with their ears, there's the potential for that word to for sure penetrate into places it's never been before. And that's the reason why we present the way we do. If you would turn to Matthew chapter 7, go to Matthew 7. You know, Brother Jeremy's been uh, doing some work, and 
I'm certain that uh, doing some digging to get down to some harder material so you can actually set a floor on it. And You know, we talk a lot about foundations and such, and we were watching this thing uh, the other day called Mega Builders. And I'm going to tell you what, these guys building these bridges over these, um, these channels and straits all around the world, and, and to think that some of those towers on those bridges are six and eight hundred feet above water and then they've gotten the reason why is because they're on ocean uh, ocean channels and the first deck of the bridge is just so high because those big ocean liners go underneath of them and i was i was thinking you know when i worked with dad i can visualize how a small footing was built you know because we worked in those little holes my goodness gravy i don't understand i sit there and watch that show and i still don't understand how those guys find a firm foundation under the ocean but they do and you know what? The guys that were on there was, was really amazing. Uh, this one, they were calling him the youngster. This guy was only in his 20s. And had, he was the, the master architect on getting this bridge's piers to bedrock. And this guy's standing there just as cool as could be. I mean, and he had this bridge, and they were putting this prefab deck together. They were talking about where that thing, how deep it had gone. I was just amazed at listening to their language and how sure he was. I mean, he was for sure the thing was going to stand. And you know what? He must have been pretty confident because he was standing right there on it. Whenever they are putting all the bridge deck on, he was right there on it. But friends, listen, that bridge in time will fail. You know, uh, we watch, I like to watch documentaries. I like those weird shows where it explains how things are and... There, we were watching one about these skyscrapers that have suddenly started to lean. And nobody, for some weird reason, wants to rent any of the floors in the upper st- stories of them. Well, they know why, because they can measure how much they're leaning per year. Then they've got these architects who go under them and jack them up and straighten them up. That's knowledge. That's amazing. But friends, we don't have to worry about that whenever it comes to our faith in Christ. It's never going to be eroded on God's part. You know what? Our faith in God can be eroded on our own whenever we begin to doubt Him. And that would be cause a fracture maybe in our foundation of our own. But if we're founded upon Christ, it can't be eroded. Matthew seven twenty four. Matthew seven twenty four says, Therefore, whoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these things of mine and doeth them not <clears throat> shall be likened to a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You don't have to be a learned individual to see that. That a home, a foundation built upon a solid rock is going to stand. Friends, that goes for our lives. If we fill our lives, if we build our life upon things that we know will not stay, will not last, friends, we're going to be most miserable. We're going to fail. We're going to flounder. Um, I know that uh, I have a friend who collects old money. And old money is pretty neat wherever you look at it. But, you know, whenever you look at the, the value, it's just in the eye of the beholder, the person who wants it, because most of that old money can't even be spent. But, but it is really cool. But on the face value of it, it looks like, you know, um, just amazing how many numbers are on there and the age. And you think, oh, my goodness. But in reality, it is worthless in our monetary system unless you find a collector who wants it. 
Well, friends, we got to realize that's the reason why that even our money that we have in our pockets or bank accounts today, whenever it it could be dissolved in a matter of moments, you know, that electronic money we have could be gone when you wake up. And we have to realize this world, that's all it preaches, is surety in the things of the earth. We have to realize that if that is where our real surety is, we are really searching and investing in the wrong thing. But, you know, in our life, we have to understand the eternal investment of having life built upon Jesus isn't going to falter. That value of that, that foundation cannot ever be, be, uh, be less. Go to Isaiah chapter 28. I like this verse right here too, Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28. In verse 16, and it says, verse 16, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Now, you've got to realize that cornerstone is Jesus Christ Himself. When we build our life upon Him, we're going to have a, a life that's lasting, something that, and again, we are at fault many times because, you know, we build upon a foundation, but sometimes we begin to doubt. And, you know, it's not that our foundation in Christ, Christ, that foundation isn't, isn't withered, isn't, isn't, uh, isn't going away. It's just our faith wavers sometimes. So, again, for sure, Christ is the sure foundation. And, and again, so many things in the world are reaching out for our minds and hearts. And, and again, that's the reason why we have to understand, just kind of draw ourselves back in perspective, whatever we struggle with, don't let the world be it in your life, like God. If you would, go to Romans chapter 8. Now, one of these, uh, a lot of these verses through Romans chapter 8, you're familiar with that uh, book in the Bible, and that particular chapter, then you know that it is full of encouragement because, friends, in today's society, we have got to have encouragement. Um, it, it is really hard sometimes to go to your workplace and and tomorrow morning, there will be people already dreading tomorrow tonight. You know, I talked to Renata earlier, and, you know, last week, I don't know, they, they talked about Red Ribbon Week being, you know, making kids aware not to use drugs, at the bed. then they drive everybody around them crazy. You know, and then, then you got Halloween and trick-or-treat and all these things, and these kids, so a lot of times we look at and we're thinking, oh my goodness, Wonder what so and so is going to be like tomorrow. We're on earth. We have a lot of dread sometimes, you know, or, or different things. But you know what? If we take our eyes off the earth and put them into God's word, we really do need it in the schools and in our workplaces. But we really need to look at in our everyday life that God's love is deeper and stronger than anything we'll ever experience here on earth. You know, we have, thank God, we have great family love in this building. We have a church family that loves and cares for one another. But you know, really sadly, one day every one of our seats will be vacated through death. You know, but, but you know what? The one thing, the, the spots that we know of that are empty here tonight, their love is perpetuated one person to the next. Thank the Lord for that. But you know what? It's God's love that never, never ceases. You know, a human love can end. But you know what? God's love doesn't. Go to Romans 8, and we're going to look at 38 and 39. And I think this is so encouraging because in a world where we have a lot of finger pointing, you know, I don't need to be reminded that I'm wrong a lot of times. 
But boy, I tell you what, there are a lot of people who like to remind you of your wrong, your shortcomings, your past failures. They bring it up, you know, thinking, you think I don't know that? I mean, I kind of was the author of it, and people keep reminding you. It's almost like they're trying to make you doubt something, and it might even be your own conscience, but 38 and 39 are great comforts to me. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now I know that uh, a lot of times in life, don't we all find ourselves beating ourselves up over things? Um, I remember a long time ago, we'd, uh, we'd gone somewhere and I saw these people splitting these rails for rail fences. And I love rail fence. I mean, that's one of those things I just think they're so cool. And I got the big idea, I'm going to build rail fence. And it was really kind of fun and cool whenever you realize that what you're doing is you're causing a division. One little, one little drive of that wedge and all you do is keep on driving it. But you know, we can do that to ourselves in a very spiritual way too. And we can do it to others in a very spiritual way as well. If we are people who seemingly on the outside are miserable in our Christian walk, you know, we're really not putting out a good light it almost makes the world feel like, man, you're just separated from God. You, you know, there's a wedge in there somehow. But you know what? We should be wearing a, a character that shows the world that we're confident that nothing's going to separate us from God's love. You know, the world may put that wedge in there and keep driving and driving and driving. But the good thing about it is we know that when we go to God, that wedge is removed. There's, there's no chance that the world can keep us from God if we're willing to repent and go to Him. So... Thinking of God's love, it's deeper and stronger than anything. And that is for sure. Even in our faults and failures, when you're born again, guess what? You're going you're gonna to sin. You're going to fall. There are going to be days, there are going to be weeks, maybe months, where you're going to find yourself tangled up in nonsense that you may be created on your own. But thank God that tells us very clearly, and I think of, I think of uh, like that one, uh, let's see, where it says, things present nor things to come. Guys, the things we're experiencing right now isn't even able to keep us from God, or separate from the love of God. And even the things we don't even know are going to happen, things that we don't even have a clue are going to happen, they cannot separate us from the love of God. Now, they can separate us from the blessings of God if we had continue in sin, but not from His true love. If you would turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5, Now, I don't know if you've ever gone somewhere, and, and I, I believe I've used this analogy before, but, you know, you get somewhere, and maybe you just, you just had, your, your room wasn't ready. Isn't that a horrible feeling? I mean, you get somewhere, and I remember a long time ago, whenever Garrison and Grant, I don't know if any of the others were here yet, but I remember one road trip that, I mean, I, I wanted out of the car so bad, and and. I mean, I remember just getting there, and we actually got there just a little bit early. Steph goes in, room's not ready, and I'm serious. It's, it's just one of those days where you just feel like you just curl up in a corner and cry somewhere because you just wanted away from there. You just wanted to lay down. Friends, we got to realize that we don't have to worry about that when it comes to our home in heaven. Our home and our hope in heaven is ready. And I believe that whenever we find assurance in that, that what, what is beyond this life, again, is not going to be a holding tank. 
You know, it's not going to be some waiting room. It's not going to be some, you know, uh, you know, some uh, kiosk you're going to have to work through. Our hope in heaven is for sure. And it's built. It's ready. And it is for sure. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, I think this is a really neat verse. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. I think that's some pretty good assurance right there, don't you? Great assurance to know that, that through God, we have hope of a home in heaven, a hope that nobody can, nobody can take that from us. And again, the world is really good at taking our eyes off from our hope. But I will tell you this, and I, I don't care who knows it, I don't want to die. I, really don't, I like living. I really do. I enjoy life. Right here on earth, I enjoy it. But here's the other thing, is I know that just like that verse... If our earthly tabernacle dissolves, if I die, don't worry. That's why that's the assurance I think we need for sure. Enjoy life. We don't have to we don't have to sit and, you know, wait on death. You know, boy, I'm gonna be happy when I die. That's a miserable existence right there. But you wanna know something? We don't have insurance so we can wreck either, do we? No. You don't buy house insurance so you can burn your house. Well, guess what? We have faith in God, not just to wait and die. We have faith in God because it gives us a great life to live and also to be a testimony to other people around us. And I think that's great assurance for us. I know Brother Manuel likes this verse. We'll go to John chapter 14. And uh, these verses, John chapter 14, 1 through 3, if you don't know them, you should. You should know these by heart. I know it's one of those things that whenever, whenever a pastor reads through these, I like to try to say it in my mind as he reads it because you know something? There may be a day where we're, where we're laying, maybe can't pick up a Bible, and maybe need to recite these in your own mind if you're a believer. Verse 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again receive you unto myself. And where I am, there you may be also. Whither I go, you know, and the way you know. I think those are beautiful verses because, again, I believe God knew every person in this building is going to face trials. Whenever you become a believer, a true born-again believer, your troubles don't disappear. Your fate in a place called hell disappears because, guess what? God has replaced that with a home in heaven. And you know, whenever we trust in the Lord, we can read those verses and say, Let not your heart be troubled. And if we had real faith in God... Whenever we think about eternity, we shouldn't be troubled at all. Should not be bothered at all. We should not have any trouble thinking about what's after our last breath if we have faith in God. Because for sure, we have a home in heaven and that's our hope. If you will go to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6. In Hebrews chapter 6. Now you know uh, here on earth we like to think about you know, things that are, I guess you'd say, steadfast. You know, whenever we think of things that are unmovable, you know, I mentioned the foundation earlier. But I will tell you that whenever we think of how that, uh, you know, I mentioned these ships earlier, but we were at this... Uh, I don't know, this battleship park or somewhere, and we took this, this ferry that went around the, the stern of one of these battleships, 
And those anchors hanging on the front of those boats, I mean, I, I don't know how to, to measure what I saw, but the anchors truly did look as wide as this building right here and hanging off the front of those ships, and it had two of them up there. And, I mean, that, it's no telling what it weighed, but it's because the size of the vessel. Well, you know, that was impressive to me because I don't know how far it would, you know, would reach. I'm sure they've got it measured out to where it will reach down there and grab a hold and hold that ship and hold it where it needs to be. But you know what? In our life, figuratively speaking, we need an anchor that is just as strong and just as massive. We need something because the life that we are living today... Every adult in here can vouch for the fact that we're seeing stormy seas like we never seen before, coming from, from sources that you would have never dreamed before. People you thought were your allies suddenly become turncoats. People who, you know, or even, even workplaces or situations that used to be, you know, uh, places of well, where you could be yourself, you can't anymore without some sort of rebuke. Friends, these are the kind of verses we actually need because, you know what, no matter what the world throws at us, there is an anchor. Well, after you look at uh, verse 17, this is chapter 6, verse 17, it says, Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs a promise, the immutability of His counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entered into that within the veil. Whither the forerunner is in, uh, for us entered, even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And you know you go to that verse, verse number 19. We have an anchor of the soul. And uh, I know that Brother Horn brought that message years ago, you know, the captain of our salvation. And you know, the anchor of our soul, if it is anything other than founded upon Jesus Christ, it is not an anchor that's eternal. It's going to be something shifting. Jesus Christ offers as an anchor for our lives and for our soul. And, you know, again, I always think of, I think it was a few weeks ago, I have this, uh, you know, through the credit union. If you have a credit union, every now and then they'll offer you life insurance policies and different things. And got this thing in the mail that said that the life insurance had been sold to another company. And you think of that, how strange that is. Something that is supposed to cover you and you've signed your name to and all of a sudden it's been sold to somebody else. Isn't that kind of weird that, that your future can be sold from one company to the next in that realm? Friends, in God's kingdom, in God's world, in His heavenly promises, it's never going to change. We're never going to need some sort of a, a buyout. God's never going to get tired of the eternal promises and realize, boy, these people are wearing me out. I'm going to have to you know, subcontract or sell out some of these assets to somebody else to cover. Not going to happen. God has us in an in eternal, I guess you'd say, looking up here, it says, gives us a strong consolation. Friends, don't we need a good, strong consolation? You know, game shows, they have a consolation prize for people to make. You know, the word consolation, the root of that's console. Friends, we need to be consoled by God's Word and the hope and the promise we have in Christ. And you think about all the times that through your life you've seen things in the world just be here, promised, 
signed, sealed, secured. Next thing you know, it's faltered, defaulted in some fashion or another. So we have to realize that through Christ, we have an unmovable hope and future, and that is, again, for sure. Now, if you will go to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew 5. I know that I, I, I love to, you know, kind of talk to people about certain things. And uh, one day, I, I just we were talking, and these kids at school were obsessed with Pokemon. And I don't even know what a Pokemon is. I mean, it's this weird-looking little jagged yellow-looking Pikachu thing. And uh, I'll never, never forget that we were sitting at a park one day, and my boys were playing, and... This grown man that I know very well pulls up really quick. Almost like one of those cops and robbers shows. The car comes in almost sideways and the doors fly open. And his family got out and started sprinting across this playground. And I said, what are y'all doing? They said, we're looking for Pikachu, for Pokemon. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said, it's on my phone. It says he's here in the park. They were playing some sort of an online game, and they were driving like maniacs all over town, and they said Pikachu was in that park. Uh, the things that people are wanting for, because he was, it, what it was, it was a reward. If you got that, you were going to receive these bonus rewards. And, and I'm thinking, my goodness gravy, my family could have been on the road, and you were out there chasing Pikachu, wanting a reward. And the world is full of those false rewards, and I've just, you know... I, I get, again at school. I just people probably think I'm just like a, a technology hater, but the world wants all these rewards that will never ever matter, and they're not worried. They're so buried in the earth that they never worry about or never consider what about the rewards to, through God, how God perceives us, what kind of rewards, and what kind of things are we going to have to to give back to Him at the end of our life. But in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, I want you to notice, and you know, again, these are uh, from the Beatitudes, but if you notice verse 11 and 12, says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. And verse number 12 goes to show you why that we should, if people give us a hard time about our faith, and again, if you have kids in school, you need to prepare them for this. You need to prepare them and tell them, say, you know what? The world is not going to love your, your faith. The world isn't typically going to reach out and say, oh, that's just wonderful. Maybe ingesting sometimes, but you know what? We're not to stop because there are people out there who are hungry for God's Word who will embrace your testimony. But verse number 12 says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were for you. You know, we shouldn't be surprised when the world does not embrace or love the things of God. We should not be surprised. We should be saddened because you know what? The hope that we're given through Christ. Remember and think on the hope that you feel in Christ right now. If you are born again, you should feel an assurance, a security in knowing Christ. And it's sad when the world won't hear it. It's sad when the world will openly deny it and blatantly deny Christ. We need to realize, though, that whenever we are trying to encourage others and it's just seemingly just going nowhere, maybe they give you a hard time about it. Maybe they've, they've literally told you, I don't want to hear that. Maybe they make fun of you or, or just, you know, just talk down to you. You know what? We should never come to a point to where we give up. 
we should still see it as an opportunity because the scriptures clearly tell us that, you know what, great is your reward because, you know what, there are people who've come before you who've been made fun of. People who've come before you who have, who have felt the, the pressures of I quit. And friends, we live in a society that can't afford any more Christian I quits. Uh, we live in a society where, where people have got to see that you really are what you say you are. Um, and it's not an easy road. It's not an easy task. If you would go to Romans chapter 8. We were there earlier, but we're going to see some other verses. Romans 8. Romans 8.14, I want you to notice that um, these verses, again, are talking about how that we are, we have such a great hope, even in the rewards and the hope that we have that's beyond this life. Verse 14 says, For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And is that a neat... You talk about consolation. You talk about consoling to know that when you have faith in Christ, you are a child of God. That is a great comfort. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that you shall be called, maybe also glorified together. In this very famous verse, in verse number 18... For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. If you notice, those few verses right there talked about being heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. What more could you want to take out of this life than to be a joint heir with Christ? Knowing that, you know, again, He lived a perfect life, became our sin substitute, but yet was willing to accept us as a joint heir of all the blessings. And, you know, uh, if you ever go to someone's home and they treat you with, you know, and, and let's say it's a high-class situation, they treat you with, with the best of the best, it feels great. It's really neat to see how that how the somebody who has everything is willing to, to really treat you to, as a guest. But Jesus Christ, who's son, the Son of God, willing to let you be a joint heir with Him in spite of your failures... That's an awesome honor. That really is. And it's for sure. It's definitely for sure. And you think of that, guys. We, whenever we consider the things that are unsure, stop and think about all the things in God that are sure. We are sure to have peace. We're sure to have all these things. Acceptance. Foundation that sure won't move. Love that's stronger and broader than anything we could ever experience. And hope in heaven. Join heirs. So, you know, throughout the week, and I know that we're, we're embarking upon a, a time of year where, sadly, hurts people talking about the daylight hours are getting shorter fast. You know, and I think next weekend, I think we do that, that thing that we've all learned to just, oh my goodness, setting those clocks back sometime soon. And, you know, we get to where the daylight hours, you know. So, what I'm getting at is a lot of people get a little sadder and depressed Spend a lot more time in the dark. But you know what? Again, just even going along with my devotion this morning. It's a great time for us not to snuggle up with the next bestseller. It's a great time not to search for you know better bargains online. 
But it's a better time for God's people right now to look for the things that are for sure in God. Because if we can find, and, and it's not like it's going to be a new revelation, it's going, to be at, it's going to be kind of getting reacquainted with God's Word. This time of year, whenever we find ourselves maybe indoors a little more, look at the things that God has given us for sure. Things that can't be taken away. No matter what anybody does, no matter how any country you know, threatens one country, monetary systems go up, monetary systems go down. These things are for sure, and if you notice, not one thing in all these for sures did Christ mention anything built upon a financial institution. He mentioned it all built upon His promise of salvation. So we have to realize that in, the, in these uncertain times, and I believe that that's those words that I hear all the time. There's, a, there's another commercial on that, uh, that television station. You know, the uncertainty. You need to invest in gold, invest in silver. You know, I'm pretty sure also the scriptures tell us that lay up our treasures in heaven where thieves can't break through and steal. So if we have our foundation in Christ, can't be taken from us. And again, we can surrender some of the blessings, but the salvation that gives us a home in heaven can never be surrendered. It cannot be taken from us. And we just need to see this for sure. Don't look at the world for sure, but we're going to look to Christ for sure.